Let's visit the 90s all over again. Put on those hammer pants. This is Dope Nostalgia. Wikipedia Moments. Holly McNarland is a Canadian musician, songwriter, and singer who is most prominent in the 90s. Originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, McNarland's background is Métis. She moved to Vancouver, British Columbia in the early 90s. She released her debut EP, Sour Pie, independently in 95, before it was re-released nationally by MCA Records in 96. Stuff, her full-length debut album, was released in 97. The album's most successful single was Numb, which reached the Canadian Top 10, and is also featured on Big Shiny Tunes, a compilation album from Much Music. At the 1998 Juno Awards, she won the Best New Solo Artist category and was nominated for Best Alternative Album for Stuff and Best Video for Elmo. For those of you who don't know what the Juno is, a Juno Award is basically the equivalent of the Canadian Grammy. She collaborated with Matthew Good on the song Flight Recorder from Viking 7 from the album Loser Anthems. Following Stuff, McDarland ended up taking an unplanned five-year hiatus for music after marrying videographer Jay Myris and giving birth to their first child. She returned in 2002 with the album Home Is Where My Feet Are. The album was supported by a tour with M. Griner performing as the opening act and received several Western Canadian Music Award nominations in 2003 including Outstanding Pop Recording, Outstanding Producer, and Outstanding Songwriter. She provided backing vocals on the track Wishing You Would Stay on the Tea Party's 2004 album Seven Circles, and again collaborated with Matthew Good on Pony Boy, one of the new songs on his 2005 Greatest Hits package in a coma. In 2004, she was also one of the performers at that year's National Aboriginal Achievement Awards. She followed up 2007 with the album Chin Up Buttercup, and in 2012 was Run Body Run. She collaborated once again with Matthew Good on his cover of Kate Bush's song Cloud Busting on the 2015 album Chaotic Neutral. Now, this is a, an artist you've wanted to talk about for a while, and I, I'm familiar with Holly McNarland, as in I've heard of her. I don't know much about her music except the songs that were prominent on Canadian radio in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the two I'm big the- hits, uh, I think are probably the ones that most people know, which was, uh, numb and Elmo. Elmo is my that- favorite of the two. And numb was on the uh, big shiny tunes, which I think that, that was mainly a Canadian thing, right? Big shiny. It tunes. is a Canadian. It was thing. numb. That was on that. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Big Shiny Tunes is a Canadian compilation put out by the music video, former music video channel, Much Music. Mm -hmm. Um, Big Shiny Tunes was very big selling (coughs) in this country. So um, there's a lot of Canadian artists on it, though. I think it's probably about half and half Mm -hmm. on those compilations. So, I mean, there's a lot of our listeners may not know about Holly McNarland due to the fact that she is primarily big in Canada. Yeah, well, and and I think just mainly her her first album first studio albums uh stuff that mm. came out in 1997 that was my prime time of like when i was really getting into my own taste in music so that's mm. I, I think why it was such a big thing for me and why i became such a huge fan of her um because it was in that 
I was in that that part of my life where um like I had spent most of my life being influenced by what my parents listened to and my older sister and like I started to start to get my own taste in music and she was she was one of the first ones I I absolutely loved uh her first album like I love every song on it it's so so stellar but like that's the main one I think that most people know if they do so for those who don't know she's kind of like an alternative rock um style um I would be very inclined to say that this first album of hers um stuff there's I listened to the whole album today and it reminded me a lot of Alanis Morissette in 95 yeah um I can totally hear some of that influence I maybe I'm wrong maybe Holly McNarland would tell me I'm wrong (laughs) (laughs) but I'm wondering if the record label was trying to make her another Alanis I yeah I'm not sure um it's possible that 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 style was so big back then right because mm-hmm. it's know, right around the, that time yeah it was right around the time where you know grunge had come in and had kind of taken over and you're getting a lot of you know kind of more alternative influences even in like some of the even some of the more like pop sounding artists like even if you listen to some of Chantal Kravyadzik uh, some of her stuff there's influences where it gets a little grittier and grungier even though she wouldn't necessarily fit in but there's like the tastes of that but yeah. um yeah like but that's that's one of the things that I love about like the 90s music it was very you know just very authentically creative and and it was driven by more emotion like it, it like I'd, say, I'd at, go with mid 90s yeah that that's when this kind of thing was happening totally which is why that's why it was resonated because that's when i was like really into like that kind of stuff and finding my own music well grunge hit officially hit in like 92 right um i feel i've always felt like it was later but it wasn't yeah because smells like teen spirit came out pretty early in the decade yeah and started slowly unwinding until the point where we got like the 93 94 and it was pearl jam allison chains stone temple pilots even they're not considered part of the seattle movement but they're you know they had a grungier rock sound to them totally yeah yeah no but uh she definitely like kind of falls into that vibe and like something i liked about um a lot of those bands and you know that movement is the fact that it was really driven by you know cre- creativity and emotion and just like kind of that rawness like you know and uh that's why I, I was I just loved that album so much um for Holly McNarland because you know when you're an oh. angsty teen how do you find like you know where you fit in like you listen to the music and you find those songs that you really resonate with yeah I was gonna say how old were you I so in 97 I was not not as old like I wasn't a teenager yet so I was about 12 Mm -hmm. 12 but like you know I was 12 years old but um so I was pretty young but I was also dealing with a lot of stuff that was the year my parents divorced and I Mm -hmm. was dealing with a lot of depression in a sense just from like such a big change in in your life and you know uh Mm -hmm. I definitely gravitated towards a lot of the emotional type music that would help me kind of 
figure out how the hell I was feeling, but I couldn't even tell you how I was feeling. Music can really be therapy that way for sure. And very helpful to, to get you through those times. And it just, I could listen in some of the lyrics, like there were, there was definitely some deep lyrics on this album. Mm -hmm. She literally says the word depression. Like she's literally like talking about some hard, hard stuff for some people. And yeah, I I mean, that's where I was kind of getting these Alanis vibes also in kind of in her style of singing. Alanis has her very own style of singing, especially Mm -hmm. how she enunciates her R's and everything like R, right? (laughs) Like, like, I'm broke, but I'm happy. I'm poor, but I'm kind. Like, like she has her way of doing it. Which kind of like goes back to what I was saying, how like it's very creatively um, and emotionally driven music where some of the the technical aspect of the singing back in that like kind of day and age was not technically good like in in that sense it was cool because it it really put forth the vibe and the the feeling that they wanted to get but it wasn't like straight up angst coming coming from a a singer's point of view you wouldn't teach people to sing that way but the thing is is like you kind of can overlook it because it's it's creating that bigger picture and that bigger emotion even though the R sound is not necessarily the most pretty when it comes to singing. You usually, if you're holding a note, you're holding hard it on no. the open vowels, not the R's. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, not to make this the Alanis show, but I'm just saying like, there's a, yeah, there was some, there were some similarities there for me. Um, now going way, way back, looking at her Wikipedia here. Um, so she, she is a Métis artist. Mm-hmm. Born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, moved to Vancouver in the early 90s, presumably to start her music career. Um, there's not a lot of information on the Wikipedia about her. No, um, you definitely like there there isn't a whole lot, I think, to go off of because like she had uh stuff, which was her first major album in 97, but then after that she kind of disappeared um from the scene. I think she had the the one um major single off of her second album but her second album didn't come until like the early 2000s like she took like a almost a five-year hiatus and um when I was reading about it it, because I always kind of wondered like kind of what had Mm -hmm. happened I went looking for more for music and when I did find more for music um I also started like kind of learning about like why she had disappeared for so long. And she, you know, she got married and she had a kid and, you know, had kind of taken the time to do that and kind of lost some of the support from the industry, from the, from the one interview that I was like looking Mm -hmm. into, you know, having, you know, that, well, if, if you're a mother, you can't really be an artist kind of vibe. Right. Which I think is something that, uh, I think a lot of women in the industry had kind of struggled with like, and probably still to still do to certain. Oh yeah. You for know, sure. certain extents, but uh, you know, but she, she wanted to be a mom and she wanted to be home with her kids and she didn't want to have to leave them and, and, and go touring and, and push, you know, what the industry wanted of her. So she kind of willingly, stepped away and wanted to do her own thing and kind of work under her herself and her own kind of label from what I read the industry kind of looks at you with a shelf life when you're that age 
where it's like, if you don't do it now, you're never doing it. So, mm-hmm. so right, for her like to make it, that decision, because that was the right choice for her in her life, kudos to her, because it's a hard one to make when the industry will basically shun you. Well, especially as a woman, right. You know, that's one thing that, you know, I don't think like male artists necessarily have to necessarily deal with on the same level as a woman. Whereas like, you know, if you have a, um, a man who's an artist and leaves to go touring, oh, he's going cause he's touring, he's taking care of his family. Whereas the mother sometimes can get looked at as, well, she's abandoning her children, but it's both parents that have to parent. Right. So I think that in some cases, like that sort of stereotype has kind of been something that women have had to deal with that. I'm, I, I could be speaking out of my ass here, but like, from what I've read about a lot of the female artists that I've followed over the years that's something that I kind of have seen a, a pattern of in the industry mm. but I think it's starting it's starting to go in a better direction now because you got people like like Pink who tours with her entire family she brings her whole family with her and and makes it not just about her career but like bringing her whole family with her yeah no she's done that quite well She's been able to show a balance, but uh, she also came along a little later in the times. That's what I mean. Like, I think that things have changed, whereas back in the day, I don't know if it was as easy. Mm -hmm. I'm still thinking about how five o'clock special i'm still thinking about you thousand ways to kill you i'm still dreaming in pink gives me reason to think when i lay down my head i'm still okay when i lay down my head to go to bed taking a look here at the fact that okay so she is a juno award winner the juno awards which would be like the canadian grammys for those of you who don't know um she won the best new solo artist category in 1998 and also then she was nominated for best alternative album for that album stuff and best video for elmo now from what i understand winning best new artist at the junos a lot of people have considered that a curse on your career I wanted to find a list here. I might have to edit this. I want to find a list of the artists who have won it and see where they're at now, because there was very, what another going back to Alanis, she won best new artist before she was Alanis Morissette. She won it during her pop career. And her pop pop career didn't go very far. No, but her career itself sure as hell did. It's true. It's true. But she's likely the most successful artist who ever won that award. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to find best new artist. I mean, maybe they call it breakthrough artist now. Wouldn't that be what it's called now? Probably. Maybe. Most promising. So when it, the Juno started in the 70s, they called it the most promising artist. And then they split it from, from female and male. 
Um, some of the names that have won this award actually aren't not flashes in the pan, like Burton Cummings, um, Kim Mitchell, Zappa Costa, Katie Lang won it in 1985, Rita McNeil won it, Sass Jordan, Colin James, Alana Miles in 1990. Um, so Alana Morissette won it in 1992. Then, you, then they changed it to Best New Solo Artist and they combined it to be male and female. That's when you got Jan Arden, Terry Clark, Susan Glucark, Holly McNarland, Tal Bachman, Nelly Furtado, Avril Lavigne, Michael Bublé. I'm going to take a big step back here and say, and say that, that that's it's not, not a true. curse. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty legit to me that it's a good thing. Drake. Lights, Serena Ryder, The Weekend. Okay, we're good. Yeah, Alessia I Cara. think we're good. <laughs> I think we're good. I think I can I just shove it. I think I can shove shove my earlier words back it back up my butt. Well, it it also kind of comes down to like what you um find to be a successful career because like she went on to do um three more albums after that and uh, her her one album I think it was her her third one. Mm-hmm. um actually um charted number eight on the itunes chart and that was all on her own oh she yeah did all of her own self-promotion yeah yeah and uh that was you know because she wasn't she wasn't getting the support from the industry anymore because she went on her own but you know she still did well in her own right so you know but the thing is is i those are not the ones that people remember because those aren't the ones that were like played on the radio a ton. No. But if you're big into like following people's careers online, she's done quite well actually for her other albums. Okay. And I've I've listened to them. They're actually like quite good. <laughs> I'm like, you know, and it, it's such a shame when you see like that they don't necessarily get the same play as the original just because she didn't have the same support from the industry, but still worth it to take a listen to how well known do you think she was at the time when she was out with those first two hits like first of all how did you discover her um well i i watched much music like religiously when i was that age i was always on there you Mm. know (laughs) uh always every time i got home from school i was watching much music and they they played her her music video a lot um I, I remember the video for Elmo was very interesting to me as a 12 year old to watch because like that, that's the one where she's like a puppet and she and she's a puppet with like scissors where she's like, you know, she looks like she's kind of dangerous and she, it's a yeah. kid's puppet show. And then the kids are being mean and they're trying to stab her with the scissors. It's like. It's very, very interesting. Me as a 12 year old, is like, what is this video about? <laughs> <laughs> Got your attention. Her dog is in that video too. Isn't her dog on the cover of the album stuff? Is that her it dog? It is. Yeah. It's just, I read about it because I was like, because um, um, I have the dog. album and I, uh, I, you know, always known that cover because it's it's a pretty noticeable cover. Is it, big... Oh, she's sitting in the mouth of the dog. That's the yeah. first time I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah, she is. Aww. And then a... I... I saw the dog in the video too. And then uh, found out that it was her, her Jack Russell Terrier. His name's Owen. I read that. Oh, Owen's such a nice name. And oh. I thought that was a Jack Russell Terrier. I wasn't sure. I know. I learned about them because Mariah Carey. 
<laughs> I learned all about my dog breeds through famous singers. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I don't remember this. I, I remember her being there touring, being on much music and whatnot. I don't remember her being huge in any way, but I thought she was pretty cool. I liked her songs, but I never actually went and got the album. And I don't know why, because it seems like something now when I listen to it, I really like it. Yeah. But it was a great it's album. It's such a fantastic album. I love so many of the songs off of it. Like just really cool. Um, and, and just, like I said, I, I really love the emotional side of it. Uh, the song water mm-hmm. is probably my favorite on the album it's oh it's super good such a beautiful song and it's just like you can feel the emotion in that song from her like you can tell that she was hitting some deep feels in that one <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um so that's your, you think that's the best track that's my favorite personally but like okay. my favorite personal songs on albums are not necessarily everybody's favorite songs because oh no that's something why I about ask. them hit me emotionally just because something's a single doesn't mean it's better than everything else this is something mm-hmm. that has always irritated me about when people don't take the whole album into consideration and only listen to the singles because to really get the feel of something at least back then you have to listen to it from front to back absolutely um, like it uh, there's so many albums that just tell a complete story and like gives you a really good view into that artist as a person and like I'm I'm one of those music lovers and music fans that like when I am really loving someone's music I want I want to know who they are as a person because I feel a connection to them through their music right yeah and you know that's that's why I always I always love like listening to full albums and and really getting to know the songs that are not I like I, I won't necessarily continue to listen to the songs that are on the radio. I will still appreciate them and still like them for what they are. But the ones that I really resonate with are usually the ones that are not on the radio. Well, the problem is radio can overkill a tune right. and make it so that you don't really care as much for it anymore because it's just you're over it. And it doesn't happen to everybody. It happens to me. Oh, Definitely. yeah. People were saying, let me just turn this about Alanis again. People were saying... <laughs> people were saying that when jagged little pill came out that it was so overplayed to the point where we got between between the fact that canadian airplay and CanCon rules you have to play canadian a certain amount of canadian music on canadian airwaves plus the fact that it was being played over everywhere everywhere <laughs> so it was like a double dose of Atlantis. yeah but when you're talking about getting to know the artist and you feel like you have a personal connection with them through these songs and th- their feelings and the things that they're saying and conveying fandom is the most interesting and strange relationship you can have where yeah. it's completely, it's not completely one-sided, but it, but it's like that person, the artist doesn't really know who you are. Right. And the, until you, but you'll know, if you ever get the chance them. to meet them, <laughs> but you know everything about them. And right. I imagine when you meet, we both met some, artists that we admire and when you do it's I never know what to say because I don't want to sound like stupid or what they've heard a million times like but like this is what your music did for me right so now it kind of puts a face on the relationship that they have with the fans so finally it becomes more of a two-way relationship right makes sense 
but you, you never know how that two-way relationship is going to go after you have that, right? Like, and that's the biggest thing that scares me about meeting some of these people that I feel connected to from their music and really, really delve deep into who they are as a person. You get mm. this idea of who they are. And what if they're not who you, who you think they are? What if right? they were a complete manipulation or something by, like, a, re- by a record company? Like what if their whole image was fabricated? Right. And it's, 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 it could be such a huge, like heartbreaking disappointment. Right. So I'm like, a part of me is just like, I don't know if I'd ever want to meet any of the people that I really, really love because it just, they like as a whole, like me growing up and being the person that I am today, I've been heavily, heavily influenced by music and, um, I could tell you songs that helped me through some of the hardest times of my life that I feel an extreme connection to, which in turn gives me an extreme connection to those people. I'm like, the last thing I want is to ruin that, <laughs> that image. Yeah. There's some people it's like, if, if the rumors are true, you might not want to meet them. And, but I've had people tell me that certain people that I've met were total fucking dicks and they weren't to me. Right. And I, all, I, I wasn't going to name names, but I'm going to say Chad Kroger from Nickelback. Oh, really? People are always telling me what an asshole he is, but he was so fucking nice to me. So I See, didn't, but it's, it's I all mean, relative it was circumstance too, right? too. I was at a meet and greet. Yeah. But so, you know, like it, it just, it, you know, you can't take necessarily opinions from other people either because people are different with when it comes to other people and, oh, and you have different experiences. My favorite are the fans that are annoying to the artist. And then they'd say that the artist is an asshole. You know, they run up That's and they get fair. in their face <laughs> and they don't leave them alone. And they're just fucking like, hey, but and bugging them and bugging them and bugging them, mm-hmm. whether it's in their personal time or whatever, they're bothering the celebrity and then turn around and say that the celebrity was an asshole. It's like, God no, for- actually you were an asshole. You yeah. couldn't respect their personal lives or their space. And it's actually you, but you're not able to see yourself. <laughs> well, and, and and God forbid anybody be human anymore these days. Like you cannot make a mistake in the media and not have somebody record it or somebody say something about it. It's just, yeah. I like, I've had to like literally stop reading comments of like, the people that I admire because it like makes me so deeply angry when people are trolling just to be mean it's just like how Mm. can people be that way like you know they're they're so brave on the other side of a fucking keyboard but it's just yeah don't you feel bad about it you don't even know this person you're trolling them yeah it's like how do you honestly feel better about yourself by like talking shit about other people but you know, that's how it is. We're pretty psychological tonight. And I know I'm like, right? it's getting deep. I, I better go get another beer to keep this going. Get, get this beer in you. <laughs> get this beer in me. Hold on. In the meanwhile. Your need for love 
be right back. Guess what, friends? I have a new voicemail number just for you. Give us a call at Dope Nostalgia. Our number is 780-851-8785. Leave us a message. Pick up the phone just like you used to in the old days. Remember before text messaging? Yeah, we used to actually call each other. If you just want to be heard and be on the podcast, give us a call. Once again, our Dope Nostalgia hotline, 780-851-8785. Pick up the phone. Remember, this number is Canadian, so long-distance charges may apply. Let's watch something as a casual movie review podcast starring Anthony. And Jack! Everyone loves hearing industry professionals talking about their craft. That's not us. We're just a couple of movie lovers. A couple of nerds. Talking about movies. So come join us on Let's Watch Something. With Anthony and Jack. Anchor.fm slash LWS. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's watch something. Let's watch something. Let's watch something. Let's watch something. Hey now kids, come gather around. See what just skipped in the town. So skip it, skip it. Do run, do jump, do hop, hop. Skip it, skip it. Scooping and a screaming and a bop, to bop. But the very best thing of all, there's a counter on this ball. So try to beat your very best score. See if you can jump a whole lot more. Skip it, skip it. Skip it and kick and spin skip it with retractable cords, each sold separately. Well, for meeting celebrities 101, my first recommendation to people, I get nervous too because I never know what to say. I've I've had circumstances where I just kind of stood there and like stared at them because <laughs> like, right. I didn't know what to say, right? Um, and then I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I mean, um, I was on a... Uh, YouTube live thing on Danny Woods channel uh, a couple weeks back and then people were asking him questions and one of the questions they said is if you're at a meet and greet with the new kids on the block what shouldn't you do like what 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 is a bad thing to do and he said well probably the best thing to do is just be yourself and the worst thing to do is say you look tired Oh my God. I said, yeah, I think in any circumstance, say that you look tired. You know what? This is, a, I had a Facebook status about this years ago where I was ranting in my old hashtag drunk talks with Naomi. <laughs> I was ranting about, do not tell people they look tired. Do you not see that that's a fucking insult? It translate to you look like shit. Right. Why would you say that to people? <laughs> and then one guy came and said, oh, no, no, but I sincerely meant it out of caring for that person. You know, I care about them. So I'm like, oh, you look tired. I'm like, that's not how it's taken. It doesn't translate that way. So just don't Mm-mm. see it. <laughs> and if you wanted to spend a bunch of money on a meet and greet and go ahead and insult the people you're meeting, that's what you say. Don't do it. Right. Yeah. No, I never understood that either. Like, thanks for telling me I look like shit. <laughs> we'll move I on hate, now. <laughs> hate when people tell me I look tired. I know I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I feel fucking what, tired. I know. I got makeup. I got Snapchat filters. That's what that's for. 
But anyway, Holly McNarland. <laughs> so, did you know that she has collaborated with a couple of Canadian rock dudes? Yes, I do. Yeah, Matthew Good and the Tea Party, which I love both. So that's awesome. Mm. I um, like the Tea Party. I'm not a Matthew Good fan. Not a Matthew Good fan? I really no. like his music, but he's another one that I've heard. I don't want to meet him. Yeah, I've heard that he's not the nicest. Mm-hmm. But I I really like his music. <laughs> he has a few really good songs. I'll give yes. him like I know yes. he's talented, absolutely. But here here's another scenario um about like how I'm not like a super fan of his. Mm-hmm. I I really like his music, but that's probably because I've heard some things about him not being the easiest to work with or whatnot, but uh I really yeah. do like his music. He's a fantastic artist mm-hmm. in that sense. But the tea party, I really, really like them too. And uh, I was listening to them singing live, which is awesome. They sound great together. The tea party is fantastic. Um, But uh, that's cool that they collaborated. Did they do just a live collaboration or on an album? I think she helped them with an album from what I was like looking into. Um, Uh, 2004's album called Seven Circles. She provided backing vocals on the track, Wishing Mm -hmm. You Would Stay. We should play a clip of that. We should. We should. I don't know what it is, but I know that I need it. A thousand things in a kiss And the chance I'll deceive it I can't stand no more I won't stand no more I can't stand it anymore I can't stand no more I won't stand no more I can't stand no more I won't stand no more I can't stand it anymore She's worked with Matthew Good several times, at least three times. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the most recently was like 2015. I, I found um, one that they actually like studio recorded. Mm. Which yeah, she sounds great with both of them. But I saw the live one um, where she sang with uh, Tea Party, and on you know the song Messenger. She did oh, I love that, that song. She did backing harmonies on it. But I'll tell you, it was a live one. I think, I don't know if it was a fan that did it, uh, but be forewarned when you listen to it, the first like bar that they sing, they get like hardcore feedback. So do not listen to it with your headphones on. I was oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take that as a warning, folks. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, like past the feedback, it's beautiful. Like her harmonies mm-hmm. are gorgeous. But uh yeah, <laughs> like she, such a surprise. When she went on tour um, to support her 2002 album, Home is Where My Feet Are, um, her supporting act was M. Griner, who's been a guest on this show. Oh, I, 
didn't know that. That's yeah. pretty cool, actually. That's very cool. Um, M. Griner being the one who she she performed in David Bowie's band for quite a few years. Oh, okay. Yeah, Remember? yeah. I did. Yeah, I listened to that that episode. I just I had no idea that they toured. That's that's, that's cool. cool. That's awesome. That's very cool. Holly McNarland, uh, I did reach out to her on social media, hoping that we could get her on the show, but I have a feeling she's probably laying low. Yeah, I think she, she from what I've seen, she still plays, but like, I think she she does everything kind of on her own terms, which mm-hmm. I, I kind of like about her. The fact that she's very much like not willing to compromise what she wants and who she is as a person. So she just, she kind of does what she wants when she wants to. And mm-hmm. that's like what her other albums kind of spoke to me when I read about them and, and like why she left kind of the industry and wanting to do what she does. Cause like, she's from what I've seen, cause I follow her on Instagram and, and Facebook and uh, like a lot of her posts are, she's very, very family oriented and she's very, very much a part of her kids' lives. And, 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 you know, mm-hmm. they're kind of her everything from what I've seen. So, but that's uh, awesome. But like, yeah, I saw that she still plays music. Like the last thing that I had kind of read up on was uh, she played in 2017. She was at the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival. It was like the 20 year anniversary of stuff. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So she played at that festival. I'm like, that's pretty cool. So she's she's still pretty active. 2017 is not that long ago. But I, I noticed that she'd uh, taken part in any of the ind- indigenous festivals and such, or the, uh, she was a performer at the Aboriginal Achievement Awards back yeah. in 2004. Which is awesome. Like, you know, mm-hmm. having, you know, that representation. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's cool. So she's still, she's still playing, but I think it's just kind of when, when she wants to, when she feels like it. Cause like, that's kind of the vibe I got from like when looking at like when all of her albums were, released like there's like a good like almost three to five year hiatus between all of them so it's just like i feel like i got enough material now i'll put out another album (laughs) well maybe when she starts working again you know because i don't think she's done i don't get that sense but i just has to be like you said when it's the right time and it fits into her life right but hopefully then we can approach her to come back on and be on dope nostalgia and talk about it that would be nice that would be so awesome to have her on the show. Like, I just, I would love to kind of hear, you know, what what's behind some of her songs. Because the one thing that I, I really like about her music is a lot of it is very metaphorical in some ways. And, you know, so it's kind of open, open to interpretation. And I always find it really interesting to want to, like, know, like, what made you write that song? Like, sometimes it's, like, completely, you know, not what you expect. Like, mm. for instance, uh, another Canadian band that I really, really love, Tegan and Sarah, mm-hmm. um, they have this song called uh, Dark Come Soon. And like, when you listen to it, you're like, oh, Dark Come Soon. Like this, this is deep, you know, like, yeah, like this, this is such a good song. I'm really feeling it. And then you find out that like <laughs> Tegan had wrote it about wanting to be able to call her mom <laughs> it was oh. like she but she wanted to call her mom and she was in a different time zone so it was late so like like the different times was like she couldn't call her because she was like either sleeping or whatnot or it was just different for them well, frustrating like, but it, but it's just so funny because you think it's something really really dark and deep it's just like i just wanted to call my mom <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a 
little tidbit before we uh, wrap on on the subject of Holly is she actually did put out a an EP way before all of this called Sour Pie. It was oh, yeah, put that was out like- in nineteen ninety five and then re released in ninety six by MCA Records. I think once she got signed. Did you ever listen to that? No, but I heard about it. Like I, I knew that she had kind of put something out beforehand but i i never listened to it i'd be interested in hearing it maybe we should play a little track if we can find a little track we'll just slide it in here dives yeah (laughs) cool but Yeah. yeah else you want to add about uh where she's at what she's done to inspire you and uh your feelings as a fan um i just yeah i just hope to to hear some more music from her and and keep putting out like her authentic self i just i and i I really hope that other people go and check her music out if they like because you know it actually surprises me because she was such a big part of like my musical taste growing up and like as I've grown up I'm like not as many people I know have heard of her and Mm -hmm. it kind of baffles me because I'm just like oh she was really big to me I'm like you know people should go listen (laughs) when you say she was really big to me um I'm like I have artists like that too Mm -hmm. or you mention their names and nobody recollects what you put your leg but they were so good (laughs) Or, yeah, did you have so. did you have a a song on on the album that stuck out to you? Um, I know I don't usually. I like to go for the album tracks usually, but I'm still gonna say Elmo. I still Elmo's think Elmo a is, a, is a superior track. But you know, like that that's actually one artist that like you know I I did hear her her two singles that were really big um, on the radio and and on much music a lot, but I still love them. Mm-hmm. Like they're still such like brilliantly written songs. I, I love her as a songwriter and just like some of, uh, you know, just the creative aspects of like her writing style, like, you know, um, 
for those of you, my wife, JD, um, she and I both write music and we, we've talked a lot about how like it's kind of an art in itself to be able to write ad libs that don't have words in them. Like just the oohs and ahs, like creatively, like not rather than just holding out ooh and ah, right? Like some kind having, of maybe some vowel shapes or something that's well, uh, just different, like percussive sounds. Right. And like, uh, that's, uh, that's something that <laughs> I've noticed is, is, um, is actually part of a lot of her songs is she uses those different sounds to really create those transitions that I, I just think are really creative. I, That's I a love cool that. point. Yeah. I, I noticed it on a few of them. Like I'll even like, there's the one song just in me on stuff that like, there's the beginning noise. I don't know what it is, but it sounds like a cat to me. It's like, Oh, <laughs> 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 You're gonna have to play it now to show people because I'm like I didn't do it justice. But there is like I put this cat sound, the cat sound. It's like, but it's it's cool. Which track it's just, is it again? It's called Justin Me. Okay. It's, it's different. I get kind of like Mike Patton vibes from it. Okay, I'll, I'll find it. I'll throw her in there. For those of you who want to check out Holly McNarland's catalog, it's easy to find online on your streaming services, such as Spotify. I see four albums up on Spotify, starting with the one we've discussed today, which is the album Stuff from 1997 with the cute little puppy and just sitting in his mouth. And Our then Jack there's- Russell Terrier. Yes. And then Home is Where My Feet Are, 2002, followed by Chin Up Buttercup, 2007. I don't know what she's wearing on the front, but it kind of looks like she's like- Mrs. Claus or something. I don't know. And then Red Riding Hood. (laughs) Red Riding Hood. That's 2012 with Run, Body Run, the last album that they have up there from her. So yeah, check out her catalog. Uh, Get to know Holly a little better. If you like a little bit of angst, you know, a little bit of angst, a little bit of emotion, and it's got that good alternative flavor to it, check it out. We're your friendly Canadians, Kendra and Naomi. (laughs) Holly, if you're listening, please come on the show. <laughs> come join us. We'd love to talk to you about what makes you excited about music. So, right? I think that's hell yeah. And if you're bringing out more music, we want to hear about it. What have you been doing in the last few years? We want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at NostalgiaDope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. 
This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.